Yes, guys, back again on the Perfect Attic Podcast. Today, we have a Porto nil Chelsea 2 match review, the UCL quarterfinal match, and also we'll be going through a little bit about that. You know that game that happened at the Allianz Arena yesterday? I'm not really sure what happened. I know that a French player kind of scored two goals and a team was kind of in the mud. But yeah, today I've got my Bayern Munich expert, my co-host, my good friend Arvin on the podcast, you know, giving his opinions on that game, a topic that he specialises in. Annual surprise guest today, RJ Goodthings, the host of the Balanced Blue Brothers podcast, host of the It's a Football Thing podcast, and obviously my great friend in the Chelsea community. RJ, I'll start with you. 24 hours after the game, you know, we've had some time to kind of sink in what happened, that huge, huge result for us. How are you kind of feeling, mate? Oh, mate, firstly, thanks very much to be welcome back. I really enjoyed the last conversation we had and really appreciate your kind words. So 24 hours after that game, I felt I felt very positive and a, a touch of relief as well because I thought even though we didn't have the most sensational game, for, it was all about the response in terms of the result. And I don't know if you offered me 2-0 before the game, I would have been in your handoff to take it because <laughs> that's such a big advantage going into next week's uh, reverse leg. So overall, very pleased with that result. It was an amazing result, wasn't it, RJ? You know, a lot of doubt coming into that game. Obviously, Chelsea fans, after that result, you know, at the weekend, the 5-2 game against West Brom, people were saying, how can we bounce back? How can Thomas Tuchel face his biggest challenge so far as Chelsea manager? And let me tell you, we bounced back. We came back flying. Our possession of the ball was very good, maybe in the final third. Not really clicking. But let's talk about a player who is playing in the final third a little bit. A player who drops within the lines. They call him the CEO of the Cruyff turn these days. Mason Mount, the English register, all-action midfielder. Let's start talking about him. How good has this guy been under Tuchel, RJ? I'll start with you. He's revolutionised his game under Tuchel. Under Lampard, he was kind of a player that people said, you know, he has the ability to score from long range, to make these great assists, but he never really hit his peak in terms of attacking numbers. You know, five goals so far under Tuchel. Top scorer under the new gaffer so far. People are writing him off at the start. But yeah, RJ, how good has Mason Mount been under Tuchel and how good was he in this game? Yeah, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Look, I'd probably... I'd actually say that he's continued to just refine his game. I, I, know, what you're, I know what you're saying about under Tuchel, he's taken on more responsibility. But I think he's been always a player that's he's scored in those match-defining moments. And I just reckon that a part of the reason why we've seen Mason step up is probably due to a bit of um, situation rather than just himself. Because, And what I mean by that is, as nobody else around him has really taken ownership of trying to get onto the score sheet, I felt like he's someone, even at the tender age of 22, has said, okay, well, if you guys aren't going to affect the game the way that I think you should in those forward positions, just give me the ball and I'll show you how it's done. So I reckon it's a, it's a credit to him, but it's also probably a little bit of a, a function of circumstance as well as the system as well that gives him that ability. But yeah, totally agree with you that I thought under Tuchel, it was going to probably take him longer to show his value, but it's a, it's a full credit to just how adaptable and how high of a ceiling this guy has that he was able to take the good progress he made under Lampard, so credit to Lampard to get him to where he was, but then continue to evolve his game under Tuchel in little to no time. So yeah, again, another fabulous performance in that the half-turn King strikes again. 
<laughs> Indeed, you know, the English reduced their Mason Mount. We have all these attacking players at Chelsea. We have Christian Pulisic, we have Hakim Ziyech, we have Kai Havertz, we have Callum hudson we have Timo Werner. But who is a player that's stepping up week in, week out, every single game? The guy that we can rely on in any situation, who will run the whole game, who has a technical ability to alter games, it is Mason Mount. What a player. We can't praise him enough on this podcast. I know Arvin has been proven very much wrong by Mason Mount. You know, he hasn't scored a Champions League goal. The way he turned the left-back Zaidu, the way he turned him perfectly, and that finish, a player could have, you know, played it across the goal to Timo Werner. A player could have took a touch and maybe got intercepted by Mbembo Pepe. But this guy is in such a rich vein of form and so much confidence that he gets that ball and he drives it bottom corner on his first touch after the turn. What a goal by Mason Mount. RJ, how good was he in this game? I want to talk more about this game. He ran the whole game. He taught them if it was a lesson. Zaidu, who's been getting a lot of praise, you know, by the likes of Zach Lowy and his tweets, the likes of Aaron from Proximo Janada. Mason Mount, how good and how influential was he in stopping Porto's press, stopping them from getting out from the back? Yeah, well, as they say, and I put a tweet out, it's come off the hour, come off the man, and I just felt like this game was written in the stars for someone of Mason's quality to really shine because I I have to be honest, though, I thought in the first, not the first 10 minutes because I felt we started off nice and brightly, but there was a period of play, which is to Porto's credit, where they tried to positively affect the game and really started pressing us far up the pitch from the 10th minute just to before the goal. But I felt that that match-changing moment when Jorginho played that pass, and of course, yes, we saw that moment of brilliance for Mason, but it was his ability then from there on to really start helping his teammates to really step up their game. And that's something that's probably not spoken about enough. It's not just his direct goal contributions now that he's starting to offer. But you get this relentless consistency from Mason. And it's so incredible because, again, at such a tender age, it's it's a difficult thing in the best league in the world then to transition to a quarterfinal of, the, of Europe's premier competition and just take the bull by the horns, as they say, and continue to show the much more experienced players around you and, and I dare say, some more of the fancied opponents that this guy doesn't seem to be rattled or phased. He just continues to go about his game. It's the intensity on and off the ball. It's the quality of the first touch. It's now he's he's really focusing on improving his numbers. So I think for me, it's just about in this game, and that's just a microcosm of his development. It's not only was he a good player to begin with, but he just continues to incrementally improve each game somehow. So I'll, look, I'd actually be happy I'm not happy, but I'd be understanding at his development in his career if we were going to see a few up and down moments because that's just part of natural development and you're not going to be the end product. I'm not saying he's the end product now, but he's very close to it. He's just a guy that yeah, he continues to surprise me about just how consistently he's dropping sevens or eights every week, if not more. So full credit to him and the work that he's doing behind the scenes, because I know his dad, Tony Mount, who's appeared on the byline and Simon Phillips, just was giving insights into just how dedicated he was to training. And I think that's just a bit of a, a function of what we're seeing now is all those years of con- continuous hard work that works. So yeah, phenomenally impressed. Long may it continue. Long may I continue, man. Mason Mount, maybe not the most gifted player in the squad, but he will work the whole game and he will alter games with his ability. 
only 22 years of age. When this guy is the same age as Bruno Fernandes, Jack Grealish, Kevin De Bruyne, I'm going to be absolutely amazed by his talents. He's not even in his prime yet. He has so much developing left to go. And with the right guidance from the right managers and the right players around him, you know, Mason Mount, I don't have enough good things to say about him. But yeah, let's kind of transition on for Mason Mount a little bit now. Let's kind of talk about Thomas Tuchel, his manager. Thomas Tuchel has gotten the best out of Mason Mount, but let's kind of talk about Thomas Tuchel's approach in this game. A little bit of pragmatism, I'd say. The way he is kind of grinding out results as this manager of Chelsea Football Club. Obviously, he's come in mid-season, not ideal. The team was in a really bad place when he came in. A lot of bust-ups in the dressing room, I believe, before. A very experienced team with a lot of young players as well. But I almost felt like he was kind of grinding out results. He was just trying to, you know, be strong defensively and let the attackers kind of showcase their abilities. But yeah, RJ, in this game we saw, you know, the start of the game was really ropey. I mean, the first five minutes, they were good from Chelsea. But apart from that, Porto were on to us. And that was kind of the first time under Tuchel where I saw a game that we started off really well and then... Then the doomsday came. They were coming at us. They were attacking us. But yeah, do you like this approach by Tuchel? Do you understand it? Or are you kind of a bit, you know, if you want more attack and flair with these players? Or do you know, you're fine with grind results as long as we're winning. What's kind of your thoughts on this, RJ? Yeah, some great sentiments. I'll pick up on a couple of them. So first, the sort of the key word I'd wrap around that performance, particularly in that first half an hour period, as I mentioned, was resilience. I felt that we did really well. I wouldn't call it necessarily, necessarily a skill to have that resilience, but it does show a certain form of, of character to be able to hold off a team that's not just experienced, but also showing a strong level of desire to be on the front foot and really establish a lead in a, in a quarter final of a Champions League. And full credit to Porto for trying to exploit Chelsea's vulnerability following that 5-2 thrashing against West Brom, which that'll be the last time I mention it because I'm forgetting about that game now as much as I can. <laughs> me too, me too, me but too. But yeah, again, just a little blip. But yeah, going back to this game, I just felt, I'm not sure if it's, it was the game plan per se to appear as pragmatic or a bit disjointed with the ball. I think that, again, that was probably a bit of credit to Porto for getting a foothold of the game. I also think that's just a bit of a function of us being a little bit nervous following that game we've forgotten. However, I said afterwards that even though we have the two-goal lead now, I'm hoping slash expecting that we will approach this game just a little bit different in the sense that I, I hope we, we go in there for a little bit more confidence on the ball so because that was a huge morale boosting win and fingers knees toes arms crossed that we go out against <laughs> crystal palace and if yeah. we deliver a strong performance the the morale in the dressing room is going to be even higher so then when we get to that return league we will be a little bit more confident with our abilities and rather than just sit back and absorb pressure because that invites danger because as you know porto's game plan is they're going to have to tweak their attack ever so slightly. 100%, we'll have yeah. their, they'll have their players coming back as well, the ones that they were missing out on, and that's going to add another element to their attack. So I just hope that we don't we don't be overly pragmatic, but at the same time, we don't just chase it as if it's a nil all. It's just all about balance, Karen. So I'm looking for a bit of balance in the next game. Me so too, we'll yeah, see me what too. we get. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% for it. You know, if we're going to be defensively solid and 
you know, we sacrifice a bit of that attacking quality. I'm for we still haven't scored three goals under Tuchel. But yeah, let's kind of move on to this question quickly from Josh Forster. I want to get your views on it, RJ. It says, can Chelsea go all the way in the Champions League? And is Tuchel now the long-term coach that Chelsea have been searching for? RJ, let's tackle this. First of all, let's say very quickly, can Chelsea go all the way in the Champions League? And secondly, a little bit more about, is Tuchel, I know it's a bit early to say, but is Tuchel the long-term coach that, you know, a lot of fans were maybe worried that he wasn't before? So I'll answer the first question with, with this question. Who won the Champions League in 2012? That will be my nice. answer to that question. <laughs> exactly. But in all seriousness, can they go all the way this season? You'd have to say, based on the advantage we've taken, plus the pathway to the final, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but the answer simply is yes. It's a cup competition. We've done it before under more difficult circumstances, I'd argue. And based on the general form that we've had under Tuchel, I know we've got to take it game by game. That's got to be the sensible approach. But why not dare to dream? So, yeah, absolutely we can. If anything, this season has shown, and last season, that um, the inconsistency of teams is the new consistency that we're used to. So, why not? 100%, yeah, we can go all the way. And quickly on the Tuchel question, RJ, we've talked about Tuchel a yeah. little bit, his pragmatic approach. And by the way, can I just say, the way we are playing at the minute, it's built for cup competitions, you know. We're going game by game. We're just going for, you know, if we're not going to concede, that's all we care about. We can get the goals for individual talent. But from what you've seen from Tuchel in the last, in the, the last few months here, yeah, from Tuchel, do you think he is a long-term coach in the future? Or do you think we'll see, you know, that Bram Rich, he doesn't care. If you lose a few games, if you're not living up standards, you're going to be sacked. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great question. I'm a bit guarded in terms of buying too much into thinking too far ahead. And to Tuchel's credit, he signed an 18-month contract. So that inherently is a very short sort of cycle life there of a manager, especially at our club. I think for now, it's just about achieving the short-term objective this season. And if he wants to extend his contract or the club feel he's earned it, I hope, fingers crossed, that he accepts the offer. But I'm not sure these days whether or not long-term contracts are, are worth too much anyway, especially at our club where it's all about the results. So it's just another a number for me. Will he be the long-term manager of Chelsea? It's, it's yet to be seen because he hasn't really experienced a tough patch. That one game was a shell shock result. But the moment, which fingers crossed we don't experience, the moment we experience a couple of ordinary results or a couple of bad performances or a few more instances of a player bust up and it starts getting those locker room issues, you know how quick the club is in terms of making decisions to swiftly part ways with managers, especially as we saw with Lampard. So why look too far ahead would be my question. Let's just enjoy the moment and fingers crossed we keep getting the all-important results because that's what he's been brought in to do. And to his credit, he's publicly acknowledged that. It's all about winning. So, yeah, long may continue yeah. again. Yeah, I 100% agree, RJ, as well with that. I feel like the the games when we kind of had Man United, Atletico, Liverpool, Everton, that was kind of the stage where I was really keeping my arm on too cool. Can he get through all of these games? And can he get through Everton? Wait, 2-0. Can he get through United? 0-0. Atletico, 1-0 away. And then all these games were a big test for me to look at. And this is why I'm kind of hopeful that maybe other managers in the past would, maybe would have lost the game. Would have, you know, Mourinho back in the days when we had Atletico and Liverpool in the 2014. He played like Barr, Torres, uh, Lampard. He wasn't really favoured Mikel. 
and we won that game and then we lost against Atletico but Tuchel's selections and the way he's yeah. kind of going about in the media saying being really truthful about situations I don't like a man just to lie when it's blatantly obvious what's happened but for right now I say it's still really early to say but you know I'm silently very very confident about this manager RJ like I'm gonna be really honest but yeah let's move on from Thomas Tuchel onto the third point the third key talking point on the Perfect Tactic podcast about the Chelsea game against Porto I want to talk about Ben Chilwell and this is a guy who's got a lot of criticism from many Chelsea fans you know a, maybe not a natural left wing back. I know personally that the role of left back and left wing back can be very, very different. You know, the positioning is very different. How do you go far up the pitch? How do you defend? How do you kind of balance a workload? But Chilwell yesterday, you know, even though he didn't have to defend much in the game, when he was called upon, Tecatito Corona maybe didn't have the best game, but if you do let him into the game, he will destroy teams. And, you know, four successful tackles, three clearances. Who scored man of the match, you know? What a performance by Ben Chilwell. He capitalised on that mistake by Tecatito Corona. And yeah, a great goal in the end. RJ, sum up Chilwell's performance quickly, mate. Yeah, no, I think you really put it well, Karen. I thought overall, both wingbacks actually had stellar games. And I felt this, as I said earlier, given that we had that period before the first goal where Porto really came at us and were looking to exploit our vulnerable situation, I felt the influence or the contribution from both Reese James and Ben Chilwell were very important and probably low-key underrated amongst all of the superstar goal for Mason. But even from Ben Chilwell's point of view, it's obviously a lot of the criticism he's received in recent times is because of the challenges he's faced in transitioning into that left wing back role, especially because you've got Marcus Alonso, who's seemingly more tailor-made for the position because he is probably more of a quasi left winger anyway because he prefers the attacking phases of play. But yeah, I thought in both aspects, so both defensively and attacking-wise, I felt, yeah, this was one of Ben's um, really strong games and hopefully a waterfall moment for him in terms of really cementing down that spot because Chelsea spent a lot of money on bringing him in. And I feel now that with performances like that, it's a little bit more justified. So yeah, fingers crossed he continues to adjust into the role. As um, Matisse often likes to say, it's praising isolation and criticising isolation. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not getting too carried away. I, I have seen enough of Ben Chilwell to suggest that he can um, cement a position for the medium to long term. But yeah, it's just uh, continue to watch his space. Mate, like, it was a wonderful performance. That chance from Decadito, you know, is Alonso going to chase that ball down? Is he going to hunt it? Is he mm. going to use his strength, power, pace to get around Chancel and Bemba? Is he going to round the keeper? We've seen Alonso. I'm not going to try and dig Alonso up. I think he's a great, you know, left wing back. But last year in the Champions League against Bayern Munich, he had that one on one chance against Manuel Neuer. And he kind of got a bit nervous. I feel like Chilwell maybe would have put that away. But for me, it's about consistency with Chilwell. Is he going to go week in, week out and prove to Tuchel cool that he is good in this position? That's kind of what I'm looking for. So let's go straight on to the Bayern section of the podcast. Three key main talking points from Bayern 2, PSG 3. Pochettino's PSG side, I was about to say Spurs there. Pochettino's PSG side steamrolled Bayern at the Allianz Arena on their own turf, a double from Gillian Mbappe, and obviously a huge other goal for PSG, got them three away goals. Arvin, let's start with talking a bit about 
the one main striker, who some people like to call him, you know, the plumber, obviously scored so many goals this season in the Bundesliga, a great player. Robert Lewandowski, how big of a miss was he yesterday for Bayern, mate? Oh, huge, huge miss. Obviously, you know, you can't replace someone like Lewandowski. We all know that, you know. It's just, you know, a world-class striker, you know, in my opinion, the best striker in the world, you know. Obviously, you're going to want him for this type of game because if he had been there, I would have been 100% convinced he would have won about six goals to three or something like that, five goals to three, like Muller mentioned in one of his post-match press, uh, post-match interviews. So, yeah, um are buying a good team about Lewandowski. I think it'll be it'll, it'll be daft to say that we aren't because we have the likes of you know Joshua Kimmich, Thomas Muller, Leon Goretzka, Serge Gnabry, Leroy Sané, Coman. The list is endless of you know quality that's packed on this buying side. So yeah, um, regardless of that, yeah, we did miss quite we did miss him quite a bit. I mean, someone like someone of the likes of Chupa Moting, obviously you know. Coming into the game, you know, I was a bit, I was a bit iffy about him. I was like, can he score? Will he be able to step up? He did step up for some games, but at some situations where I just saw him, you know, going for 50-50s or you know, being in a position where he could start a proper attack with a pass that uh, maybe that Lewandowski could see. You know, it's just these little things that matter so much in terms of you know what Lewandowski brings to the table. You know, just his presence alone it draws the defenders in, creates space for other players. And, you know, even even him on the ball, and that's why we call him the complete striker. You just, he's able to pick out that pass, you know, start up an attack, start up a counter-attack. I've seen it countless times this season. So, yeah, he's a he's an absolute beast, you know, Lewandowski. And somebody, you know, when you take 42, 42 goals in somebody like Lewandowski, obviously it's going to be really hard to, you know, win without him. But, you know, we still had enough quality on the pitch and I was actually quite disappointed we didn't come out of that game with at least a draw. You know, I'm, I can't even believe I'm saying a draw because we had 31 shots. And if I counted, we missed about eight sitters, you know, that I think from situations that we could have scored. So, yeah, Lewandowski, big miss, but... These are these are the points, uh, like especially in the Champions League, you get tested. You know, are we really, you know, the team that everyone you know thinks or everyone points back to the Bayern of twenty twenty? You know, are we really a team that when somebody gets injured, other players step up? Yesterday, you know, especially Leroy Sane and Coman, they didn't really show. They didn't really show too much. I think Coman was a little bit better than Sane, especially, you know, he only had two good moments and that's about it really. And not not in criticism of Sane, criticism of Sane. I think we all know what he's capable of. We saw at City, you know, especially in the 17, 18 season, what he can do. But regardless of that, you know, it's it's you know we just need players to step up to be honest especially come the second leg you know we need at least to score by two goals and nil by three goals to one you know we need at least two goals to go through so you know i think we can score i think there's no issue with us creating chances but it's about you know finding that you know other players to step up yeah i'm sure it was a very disappointing result i'm sure you still expected something with you know coman still on the pitch uh, signing. I know Gnabry was out, but still Thomas Muller is a really prolific goal scorer. So, but yeah, let's kind of move on to the second point. 31 shots in that game, Arvind. 31 shots in the Champions League yeah. quarterfinal. I don't even know if he had that many against Barcelona when he won. Was it 8-2 or something like that? It was an absolutely insane no, game. We, but... we didn't have that many shots against Barcelona. That's insane, man. This stat is just crazy, but I'm trying to... The second point is, can Bayern turn this around? You know, it's only 3-2. Everyone's saying... After this many shots, after this complete, you know, mulling of them, just the goals weren't going in. It's going to be a walkover at the Parc des Princes. So, 
what are you kind of expecting from the second leg? Are you expecting an easy win? Or are you expecting, you know, a really tough KG game with Navas, you know, Marquinhos parking in front of his own box? <laughs> it's definitely not going to be an easy win against PSG. I think we've already established that, you know, with the likes of Mbappe, Neymar going forward. And, you know, Marquinhos... He said, yeah, I thought he had an injury yesterday that could potentially make him a doubt for the second leg, but look, he's coming back. Looks like Marco Verratti's coming back as well, which is an absolute booster PSG. Obviously, Paredes won their stand-up performance this season, won their underrated performance this season, obviously coming back into that side. So, yeah, it's not looking good for us. I mean, I've just seen recently Sulo Gretzel also got injured. You know, our injury list is just piling up and theirs is de decreasing. So, you know, we're at a point now where... It's difficult. And if we do get through this, you know, you know but people will look back at us and think, okay, we're, you know, we're so suddenly favourites now. And if we do get through this, you know, we'll definitely have Lemdowski and Serge Gnabry and all these quality players back for the first leg of the semi-final. But first of all, there's a second leg to deal with. And can I think we can, I think we can turn this around? Absolutely. You know, the chances that we created yesterday were, well, at the time of recording yesterday were, 31 shots and as I said about eight sitters that were missed you know even you know we hit we hit the bar the first the first minute of the game and the third day PSG score so I think the main thing we need to do is one thing that I will say about especially yesterday what happened was I think Hansi told the defenders just to drop it just to drop off a bit not from the usual usual high line that we do usually play so I think the likes of Neymar, Draxler, Di Maria got so much more time on the ball than they should have. And everything just didn't seem compact. And when we were pressing, there were so many spaces left for PSG to just pick us off. So, yeah, I do I do think that's going to have to be tightened up 100%. I think um, the lineup isn't an issue. I think if we play, you know, uh, left-back Davies, you know, Alaba in midfield, where I think he was really good, you know, when he did when he get pushed into midfield from centre-back, because I think at centre-back he was really struggling. And obviously Hernandez Boateng, I think that worked okay yesterday. Obviously Boateng, you know, he he didn't deal with Mbappe that well. You know, he didn't close him down that well for the third goal. But regardless of that, um, he's still a quality defender. You know, a right back Pavard, he he played really well yesterday. I must say, obviously this season has been a bit questionable in my opinion, but yesterday he did play really well. And obviously Kimmich and Alaba in midfield works really well. Thomas Muller, Leroy Sane, Coman, and then. Possibly promoting up front. I'm not sure about Musiala. I think he could be given the opportunity. I'm not too sure what Hansi will try. It all depends on obviously on Saturday if we get any more injuries or maybe if Ganabri if Ganabri tests positive 72 hours before the game, he'll he will be available to play. So um, I definitely do think Leroy Sane and Kingsley Coman will have to step up more than they did yesterday because. You know, especially Leroy Sane, we all know, you know, I just said recently, we, we all know what he's capable of, but he didn't show that cutting edge, that quality that we all know that he has yesterday and we really need him to step up. You know, Thomas Muller, Joshua Kimmich stepped up big time, but there's only so many, there's only so much that you can do to a PSG side that's just picking you off on the counter all the time. I think more people need to step up, obviously, the Neuer mistake at the start, you know, again, Neuer was... Um, yeah, I don't know about that save, to be honest, as I said. Um, could have saved that, you know, the different factors, but we definitely do need him to cut out that mistake, which we all know you can. He's, a, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the world. So, yeah, uh, we're definitely we're definitely capable of scoring two to three goals, especially with the players that we have, you know, even without Lewandowski, even without Gnabry, potentially. We still have the ability to score three goals. Do we have the ability to stop them from conceding? Now, that is the main question. If we stop them from conceding, 
uh, if we stop them from scoring, sorry, we'd have a very good chance because I know that at, at the top end, you know, even when they're sitting back, I know that we can still create chances because when they went 2-0 up and when they went 2-0 up, they sat back and we still, you know, we still got loads of chances. So that's the team that we are. We just break off teams that sit back against us or counter. We're very flexible in that manner. So, yeah, we can. We can come back. Yeah, I do think Bayern can come back 100%. This Bayern team has won the UCL. They've won the Bundesliga, potentially like very, very likely going to win it this year. They won the Club World Cup. So, yeah, I do think that without Lewandowski, it's going to be a struggle. But in my opinion, you put Davis left wing, you put Müller up front and you put, you know, Koeman or Sane Cam. That's how you win this game. Let's kind of tackle this question from Dieter van Gugten-Arvins. Let's talk about... Obviously, we've talked about Lewandowski will be fit for the... He won't be fit for the game, sorry, on, on Tuesday. Would Bayern Munich have won without Lewandowski in the lineup with him in the lineup? The answer is mm, yes, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yes. We've kind of tackled that. But this is the question. Should Neuer have done better with the first goal of Mbappe? You think he should have, mate? Yeah, as, as I just said, um, obviously Hansi uh, mentioned in the post-match press conference that, you know, it was wet, it was slippery. I mean, I can I can commend all these, you know, yeah, we're all human. And even even Manuel Neuer, the best goalkeeper in the world, he is human. He can make some mistakes, you know, especially the first five minutes. It really took him time to get into the game. I know that he, uh, when he comes out of that goal, you know, he's just kicking the ball straight out of the place. So I was just a bit of nervousness. Stuff's coming in, but I do think you know, when second leg comes second leg, I think he'll be much better. And, um, again, you know, it's not the ideal start to be one or down within three minutes against PSG, obviously, as we know that they sit back most of their players and then that Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria, Draxa do the work. So, um, yeah, he could have done better, but you know, we're all human, we all make mistakes. Yeah, you know, he's a goalkeeper who's <clears throat> been absolutely immense for the last two years, so. I guess this mistake is, you know, acceptable for one game. But yeah, let's kind of move on. Yeah, RJ, I'll kind of tackle this question with you quickly about, you know, let's talk about PSG a little bit. Let's give all credit to PSG after that performance, even though they conceded 31 shots. Very, very efficient. You know, they relied on Mbappe and Neymar on the end, but still the midfield, I felt, worked really well with Danilo Pereira in the midfield. You know, he played very well. Dagba at right back uh, played very well as, as well. Diallo at left back as well. All these great players did very well, but... Do you think that PSG are going to have a UCL win, you know, in the future, in the near future? And do you think they're finally going to be start challenging with Europe's elites, with these type of players? Yeah, I think they've definitely been challenging. I, I think they've been bridging the gap, obviously haven't quite won the big dance just yet. But after last season, they were oh so close, getting knocked out to the eventual champions. But I felt... Uh, Pochettino, he's been quite interesting since taking over because I felt he did some good things over at Tottenham that obviously didn't have the right backing, if you will, to get the take them to the next level. But I felt now with the financial strength of PSG, the squad quality, plus his own skills, yeah, I've definitely got to say that for the next, at least, depending on their financial situation, but presuming all, all stays as is, they're going to be, for me, one of the favourites over the next few seasons, provided that they continue to supplement the quality that they've got, especially if Neymar, so if Neymar continues to stay on, 
and depending on what the long-term future is for Mbappe. But I think they've got some quality in those other positions. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but Verratti wasn't there as well yesterday. And he, for me, is another key player. And if he stays fit and healthy, he can really um, help galvanise and control the middle area of that pitch where I, I suppose in recent seasons, maybe that's been an area where they've been not not second class, but not quite top echelon. So yeah, definitely carrying to your point, they're right up there with the best. Yeah, 100% PSG. Yeah, Verratti wasn't there at RJ yesterday. You know, your fellow countryman, Verratti, he's a very influential player in that Pochettino system. You know, the Harry Winks type role, you could say it. But, but let's kind of move on to the last section of this podcast. Let's talk about the latter stage of the Champions League. Who's more likely to win? You know, it could be PSG with the likes of Mbappe, Neymar, you know, Verratti possibly coming back. City's dominant force at the minute. Even though they didn't look that good against Dortmund, they still have probably probably been the best team in world football I say this year on form but yeah who's going to win the Champions League this year RJ let's go straight to you you've already said that Chelsea can win it do you think that Chelsea are probably very very likely to win or like as maybe like a balanced blue brothers you see what I did there RJ kind of balanced blue uh, Chelsea fan do you think the Real Madrid could possibly win it you know any of these other teams who do you think is going to win it RJ yeah, to be honest, I know it's very on the fence, safe the answer, but I suppose that's because at the stage of the competition we're in and who's available, I think probably with due respect, I wouldn't say that Porto would go on to win. Like, I think that would have to be quite miraculous, not even just because of the deficit now, which adds nerve pressure, but I don't think they would even if they did get through. I think also the fact that Liverpool have been off the boil. I still think that they're not fully ruled out, you know, even though Real Madrid's in the hot seat. Like, to me, they're just... You saw one hand, they're Jekyll and Hyde with Liverpool. They go and thrash Arsenal 3-0, then go, you know, and then they have that result against Real Madrid. So it's just really which Liverpool turns up. So in the reverse leg, if they can go and start on fire and they get an early goal, all of a sudden the game's turned on its head. Even though I was very impressed, with Real Madrid, particularly with that experienced midfield and Karim Benzema and obviously Vinny Jr., I felt that it's just too early to write the Reds off at this stage. And then obviously on the other side of the draw, with the two powerhouses in Bayern, PSG, and they're the ones everybody's watching, of course, you've got another very underrated game, which is very much in the balance still with both City and Dortmund, which I thought, I'm not sure if you guys caught any of the game, but I felt even though City played a strong game and got the right result and left it very late with Foden, I felt that Dortmund didn't play too bad themselves and obviously had that, in my view at least, horrendous decision go against them, which could could be very costly with that goal that was disallowed. But the point is overall, everybody's still in it. Who's most likely to win it? I still think that even though I reckon we've got a very strong chance to progress based on our cup competition or the grinding results we're doing and the defensive solidity we've been showing, I feel that it's very hard to overlook the teams on the other side of the draw. So your your cities, your Bayerns, your PSGs, I think whoever gets to the final on our side, so us, Real or Porto or Livo, they're going to have a really big, big mountain to climb whoever they face in the final and again I still think that we can do it but let's just take it one game at a time 
I was very worried, Dodge. I fully thought that you were going to say with Chester, Liverpool are going to win the Champions League, even with Nat Phillips and Kabak as centre-back. But I think that's a fair take, that Liverpool can't be written off. Against Leipzig, do you not remember? How scintillating were they against Leipzig? Against Arsenal at the weekend, absolutely amazing. But in my opinion, I'll kind of say my name quickly. Do you know what? Chelsea FC are going to win the Champions League this year. You heard on the Perfect Hatrick podcast. Clip it, put whatever you want, you know, Twitter, Instagram, I don't know, Google+, Plus, whatever you want it. Chelsea are going Love to win it. the Champions League this season. I'm fully confident. Thomas Tuchel's Blues, please don't come back to buying me. I'm actually touching wood right now. You can't see me. But, you know, I really wish Chelsea can win it. And I really think they can. Arvin, let's get a name from you quickly. Who is going to win the UEFA Champions League this season? You know which team I want to say. You know which team I want to say. Chelsea. And I'm, I'm still going. And I'm still going with Bayern because if, obviously, if you know, no, actually, no, yeah. If we turn yes. around that PSG game, we will have the entire back. We will have the entire confidence of going. You know, up against obviously, you know, City. Um, yeah, as RJ mentioned, they did play a bit, mm, a bit fifty-fifty against Dortmund. And Dortmund, quite frankly, should have had a draw in that game. To be honest, and not just because of just that goal, you know, about the way they played as a whole. To be honest, you know, Drew Bellinger dominating that mid- midfield area, and you know, Erling Hall and Royce combining. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm still until till the second leg's over. I'm not changing my mind. You know, I think I think Bayern could still win it. If I'm just gonna project this, if Bayern were to go out, I'd have to. I mean, PSG. I presume City will go through. So PSG, City, you know, I presume Chelsea will go through. I presume Madrid will go through. I think. I I just think it's PSG's year <clears throat> because if you look at the if you look at the people uh, if you look at the teams that they played, you know, they had to get out of a really sticky group with Leipzig and United in there, which is not easy. You know, they lost their first game against United as well. And then to and to beat Barcelona and to potentially beat Bayern Munich as well, and then City. You know, you, I don't think anyone could argue that they'd have the right to win the Champions League. So, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting what I saw yesterday, but you know, off the balance of that, I'd have to say you know PSG are looking to be favourites if they go through. Just quickly, PSG, yeah, just, sure. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Cool with that be is a story. Now, I just thought, Arvin, you brought up a interesting scenario if. Say PSG made it to the final and Chelsea made it to the final, that would be quite the narrative in the sense of Tuchel versus his old PSG, who couldn't quite get the job done. Yeah, that yeah. But also Pochettino taking over from when he's old Tottenham days, having the chance to get one over London rivals uh, Chelsea, who helped stop them obviously winning the title that year with the Battle at the Bridge. So. I think it's got some nice um, narratives that would build up if that final was to eventuate. Tuchel v. Poch, Tuchel v. Poch final, yes. Yeah, so many different factors. I've seen a lot of tweets saying pointing Chelsea towards the final. You know, an English player scored the first goal in a in the twenty twelve course final against Benfica. So many different signs pointing us, but yeah, I'm saying Chelsea. RJ is saying, I believe RJ said Man City. Is that correct, RJ? No, no, I'm definitely going with Chelsea. I'm just painting a very difficult journey to get there. But I'm with you, sure. Darren. Blues all the yeah. way. Yeah, you're just kind of you're, you're kind of eating your words a little bit. You don't want to, to come back to bite you in the future. I get what you mean. But yeah, Blues all the way, 100%. We are going to win a Champions League. You heard it here. And Arvin's going PSG. But yeah, let's kind of wrap this up quickly. I'm, 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 saying, I'm, technically, yeah, sure. I'm technically going Blues all the way. 
sorry, I'm technically going blues all the way as well because PSG are blue, to be fair. So. Oh no, wait, Arvin, is that saying Chelsea are going to win Champions League? Did I just hear that? We heard it here. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, Chelsea no, no, is, you uh... just said Chelsea no, are going to win Champions League. No, Chelsea do have a very good chance, though, because though, as you, as I, I think, I think uh, Taron said, the way they play, it's it's built for knockout football, you know, not conceding, you know, not having the, the worry about conceding and then waiting at the perfect opportunity to score, and they score. So, yeah, Chelsea's, the way they play, you know, the way Tuchel sets up this team is perfect for knockout football. So, we'll wait and see. Chelsea are going to win the Champions League. You know, we even a Bayern Munich fan saying it. A Bayern Munich fan just said Chelsea are going to win the Champions League. You know, it's written in the stars, man. But I've just got to quickly say, 86th minute in the Arsenal game against Slavia Prague, Nicola Pepe scores the goal, and Thomas Halls in the 93rd minute makes it one all. Arsenal one, Slavia Prague nil. Uh, one full time. Amazing result. But yeah, let's kind of end on that. No, let's not talk about the Europa League. No, we're in the big we're in the big games. We're not in the Europa League. But let's kind of wrap this up. I'll get some final thoughts from the guys. RJ, how have you enjoyed the podcast? Anything I'd like to say to our listeners? Yeah, it's been phenomenal. It's always great to be welcomed back on the Perfect Tactics podcast. I'd recommend you guys follow it very closely. I've been a fan since since it got started. Um also really enjoyed getting the perspectives of Arvin as the Bayern Munich. Uh, correspondent but guys if you haven't already make sure you give these guys follow and especially Karen is doing some good things with news on the other side of the coin and we co-collaborate at times so fingers crossed we can continue to do that going forward in terms of my side of things as Taryn mentioned at the start I co-host two podcasts one being a Chelsea specific one the Balance Blue Brothers podcast some great guys there not necessarily myself but the others they're fantastic and then from a local point of view down here in Australia, I co-hosted with a Manchester United and an Arsenal fan to talk about all things English Premier League as well as other major European leagues when there are key talking points. And that's called It's a Football Thing. So give that a follow. And yeah, overall, guys, check out some of our articles that I write for the Chelsea Social. With that, I hope to join you guys again soon because I've really enjoyed this discussion. It's been great. Um- 100%. Thank you for the kind words, RJ. Always great to collab with you. We'll definitely have you on again on the podcast. But yeah, Arvin, we'll end it on you. How have you enjoyed the podcast? Anything I'd like to say? How do you feel after Mbappe? Had absolutely feel that the Allianz. You are tired now, mate. Yeah, yeah, obviously feeling 50-50, you know, gassed about the podcast, but then, you know, obviously buying yesterday, um, losing. But regardless, obviously, uh, pleasure having uh, RJ on the podcast. You know, great guy. You know, loads of football content on the way as well. So, yeah, um, turn to Bayern. Hopefully they can turn around next Tuesday. We'll wait and see. Uh, no kamikaze defending this time, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, hopefully Chelsea can also go through so we can have a nice spectacle in the semi-finals. Yeah, hopefully Chelsea win the Champions League like you predicted, Arvin. But let's kind of end it on that note. <laughs> uh, I'm your host of the Perfect Dutch Podcast, CFC Taron, or as you know, it's Taron. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like this, please follow me on Twitter at CFC Taron. Follow all my guests in the description on Spotify. But yeah, I'll end this on this note. Have a nice day and I'll catch you later.